Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, sweetheart. There's, um, um, there's a lot more than just Dennis and Denise, though. There's going to be, uh, we're going to have uh, the Capras and Nate's coming, and you've got a number of, and uh, Hans and Sarah are going to be in here. So Lamont, yeah, Pastor Lamont and, and Sharon are going to be here. So that is in March, and it's going to kick off with a worship night on Monday night, and then three days, mornings and evenings of ministry, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And that is because the Lord laid on my heart very specifically that the Holy Spirit pretty much in today's day and age has been sidelined in much of the body of Christ. Do you know that Jesus said it's absolutely essential that we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? And, and so overflow is, a, is something that the Lord has put on our hearts, and we know that, that it's going to be a practical but also a super time of, of spiritual input. So do put that on your calendars. You you wanna, you wanna, we want to benefit by that. So. Hallelujah. There's also other things happening. Um, uh, there are, there are going to be projects that we're going to be pushing so that you know, as usual, we'll be doing the, the boxes like Corin said, but also we, we want to pour into our youth and children's building, this next-gen building next door to us. This, we've been pouring into this building for a little while, and they're in sore need of that. So you're going to be seeing some projects that are happening. Um, there's a big dumpster already getting ready there, and there's bathrooms going to be remodeled. We want to redo rooms for youth. So Anyhow, things are happening, and we're just so grateful for, for your part that you're playing. You have a specific role to play here, and you know what? I don't want you to ever feel pressure that you've got to do somebody else's role. Amen? You have a gifting and a role, and the funny thing is about your own gifting is you don't think you have one. Anybody think they don't have a gift? It's because it's so normal to you, you don't know that you have it but you actually do have a gift. You have been designed and you have been given a gift and the word of God actually tells us that. And so um, you have a, a tremendous part to play, a body, we're a body of many parts. No one single one of us has it all. Well, except me, of course, uh, no. No, that's a bad joke, okay, bad joke, I, you get it, no. No, none of us, none of us have it together, absolutely. We, we all need one another, very grateful. For so many of you, many of you who know me know how desperately I need you all. <laughs> um, we do, if you haven't been water baptized, we're mentioning this every week for a number of weeks uh, so that we can just catch everybody because some people come to church sort of occasionally. But if you've never been water baptized, if you've never made a public declaration after being born again, um, the, the, being baptized in water, it is one of the sac church sacraments Jesus said is a good thing. Uh, it's a necessary thing to, as, to do as a public declaration. We've got a number of people signed up already, so we are going to put that on the calendar. But if you text the word baptism to that same church number, 3524413016, you'll get details and you'll be told all about water baptism. Okay, awesome. So praise God. Hallelujah. We are marching through stuff, right? But this is 2022. Man, 21 is gone, baby. Gone. Gone. Sorry if you like the year, it's gone. But you know, that's, there's a fascinating thing about time is that I, I'm fascinated. I've studied amnesia a little bit at some stage, but it's interesting that if you've got no history in your mind, can you imagine how freeing that could be? If you actually woke up and you didn't have any memory of the past, you would have no identity. You wouldn't know who you were, but you would also have no baggage. You know, we have a tendency as human beings to carry and to rely on certain things of the past. And, and you know, Paul, there are secrets in the word of God that says that we're supposed to sort of leave these things, 
these behind. But um, we'll get into that, a, a touch on that a little bit this morning. But let's um, pray and let's move on with the uh, message that's on my heart here. Father, we're grateful. We're so grateful, Lord, for this last year. Lord, I thank you for the things that we can celebrate. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gifts that you've placed inside of us. Thank you, Father, for the grace always present to move ahead. And so we choose to do that. We dedicate this time to you. We dedicate this year to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, um, James chapter 1 says these profound words, and, and um, uh, uh, T just mentioned that earlier when he said, you know, that God hasn't changed. He is that he, he doesn't change. In fact, it says it all over the place in the book of Hebrews, but in, in James chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning or due to change. Isn't that powerful? Good stuff comes from God. God is not the author of bad stuff. We will iterate that time and time again. No bad stuff comes from God. He doesn't, one, allow it, and he doesn't, two, cause it. And stick around here, and you'll know that we'll, we'll, we'll hammer that point home because it's true. But God is not the author of any kind of bad stuff. In fact, he is our way to life and abundant life. Nothing bad is from God. There is no shadow of turning with him. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from him hallelujah amen so um i want to continue on, on this on the series that i've been doing and and uh, it's been about the kingdom and i'm talking about a kingdom philosophy of life a kingdom philosophy of life and as you've heard me say philosophy is a greek word it's a greek compound word philos and sophos philos means to love it's one of the four or five Greek words. There's actually about a couple more. But the, one, the big ones, philos, is brotherly love, to be a lover of, to philos. Uh, Philadelphia, believe it or not, Philadelphia, the love, love of the brothers um, or the brethren. So it, it, but that the word is in a lot of our English words. And um, philos, philosophy is lover of wisdom. Sophos is wisdom. And so we, we see, though, that we're not talking about a human philosophy. We're not talking about going to a secular school and learning and, and studying philosophy. This has got nothing to do with that sort of philosophy. Um, we're not, we don't have a philosophical outlet. We're not studying Socrates and his view of how the world turns or, or any of those, those phenomenal minds of the past or the Roman Cicero or whoever. Um, none of those philosophies are what we're talking about here. We're talking about a kingdom philosophy where we study God's wisdom in practicality. We see that Jesus said that when he came, John the Baptist announced that the, he came to teach the gospel of the kingdom. There is a gospel of a kingdom. God's kingdom, as, I, as I've been saying in the last few weeks, is completely different. We do not play this, uh, this game of life, if you want to, I don't mean to, to, to make it small, but I've used the illustration of different games and, and sporting events. And you don't use rugby rules when you're playing American football in, or, or cricket rules when you're playing baseball. There are completely different rules that run the kingdom. 
And we've been talking about how, 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 this all, how this works. We've spoken about how this kingdom is not an outside kingdom. It's, it's, an, it's an invisible to our natural eyes. It's not a visible kingdom. Jesus said, don't go, when people say, here's the kingdom or there's the kingdom, he says, the kingdom isn't out there. Stop chasing, stop chasing the Roman or, or thinking that Jesus was going to come down and create um, a government. I don't know if you remember. Sorry, this is noisy here, it seems. Sorry. Um, there was a there was a movement back in the 80s called um, uh, King. It, it was King called Kingdom Now, and they 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 basically preached that people that that the Christians would sort of take over the world and we would set up the government. No, I told you we couldn't do a better job. Sad to say, well maybe we could do a slightly better job, <laughs> especially now. But 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 really, we're not talking about an external thing. Jesus wasn't talking about an external kingdom. He was talking about an internal kingdom. Jesus said, it's not out there, or it's there, but it's within you. So it's very important to understand that the kingdom has got to be experienced within us. So it's not visible to the naked eye, but it is something that we've been seeing and that, that, that you have to step into to participate in. And, and in this series, I must, my disclaimer is this. We could spend almost a year talking about the kingdom just in its facets because there is so much material in the gospels in 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 about this phenomenal kingdom but but it's it, the powerful truth that i want you to realize is that you can either sit on the sidelines and know about the kingdom informationally and say oh yeah yeah there's a kingdom or you can actually jump in and play by the kingdom rules and benefit by the kingdom rules you see, this kingdom is an inverted kingdom. I told you it works from the inside out. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of churches out there, sad to say. There's a lot of beliefs and doctrines out there that say, shape up, do better. You can go to a lot of messages and hear a lot of messages that say, just do better this Sunday and come back next Sunday. That's called behavior modification. You can't be better by acting better on the outside. Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup. And he's talking about the heart. And he goes, we've spoken about these things many times. And the outside will be clean automatically. Funny story this week. <laughs> I should have had that picture. I, my son, my son has the greasiest hands. I don't know how this boy, hands are continually greasy. I'm finding it everywhere. And I'm like, windows on the car where he sits, seats, you name it, glasses that he holds. And boy, have I tried to have him wash the glass and everything else like that. So this week I pick up, I see a mug, I just see two glasses and they, this is in the drying rack. Note it's been washed. And I pick it up and I just see greasy stains on the outside and I'm like, oh, I know who this is. So I, I wash the glass and I put it away and just then I see another glass, even greasier. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not a life lesson. I need to show this boy if I wash the glass again, I'm not teaching him something. So I pointed out to him. In fact, before I did, I took pictures of it. I've got proof. <laughs> I, I held up, I, I, I said, Ethan. And he comes in, he comes to the kid and said, you see this, bud? How many times have I told you? This is not washing the glass. You've got to, he says, you said, you've got to not just wash it on the inside, you've got to wash it outside. He says, but dad, you said if you wash it on the inside, it'll be, out, it'll be clean outside <laughs> automatically. <laughs> He's a smart mouth. 
you know. <laughs> but, 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 but the kingdom works like that. You see, if, if the, you know, do you realize, if you realize this piece of information, you have absolutely no control of anybody else but you. So much of the church world, so many marriages would be saved if they understood this piece. You can't make anybody change. You can change you. You can use the grace of God and work with the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to work on you. And that's it. That is a profound and deep truth. That you <laughs> but, but working on Jesus said that. He said, clean the inside of the cup. He told the Pharisees and the outside would be clean automatically. He said, otherwise you guys are like whitewashed tombstones. You look all great on the outside, but inside you're really just dead man's bones. You're pretty profound, you know. So, so we've spoken about this inside out. And then I said in, in Hebrews, it talks about the unshakable kingdom. When you walk by kingdom principles, this isn't, this isn't come and go. This is not a shakable. It's not, it doesn't matter who's in charge of America. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. It doesn't matter if the, fall, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, so to speak. You can walk and live in a kingdom where you are stable. No matter what the circumstances are. Jesus showed the same when he, walked, when he, when he had Peter, or, you know, when Peter came out in the boat and was walking on the, on the water and, he, and when he was looking, had his eyes on Jesus, right? He was, he was okay, he could walk on water. There's a lot of lessons in that. But as soon as you put your eyes on the storms and the externals of life and you try and change things outwardly only and you don't focus on the right stuff but you keep your eyes on Jesus, in any case, there's a lot we can teach about that. I mean, we just wanna move along there. So, then, um, so we, we, we said it's an inside-out kingdom, and it's also upside-down in the sense that Jesus came to serve. He didn't come lording it over. He says, you guys aren't going to be like that. You're going to love one another, and that's how people are going to know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, true love. In fact, Jesus said that's the mark of maturity. If you think the mark of maturity is walking in these fancy spiritual gifts, you're wrong. Absolutely wrong. The Corinthians could walk in the gifts of the Spirit and have miracles and signs and wonders, and they were babies. And they were rebuked for their, 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 it's got nothing to do. You can have the most immature, carnal people walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I know that's a shocking statement, but it's actually true. Guess why? Because we're not righteous by our own ability. We're righteous because of the ability of Jesus. That's how we, we have never earned the right to walk in the gifts. You have never earned one single promise and gift from God by your ability. It's only been by grace through faith alone. Hence, you can be immature. And we see that in the book of Corinthians. We see that in the book of Galatians. But just want to do, put it out there. Because sometimes, and I said this on the, the other night at New Year's service, I have disqualified myself because of my actions. I, none of us have a perfect life. And when we don't measure up, we disqualify ourselves. Well, I can't do that. I, I can't, God, God can't use me. Well, that's a lie. He can. He will. No, uh, no one, not one believer, not one great leader has been perfect. You can go and study the life of Martin Luther and see what he was up to. You think Luther was all that in a bag of chips and Calvin and all of No, it doesn't matter who you pick. There's nobody that hasn't had this. We can't pick these people out of. So it's not about your ability. It's not about self 
righteousness. It's about Jesus' righteousness by faith. Amen. So this kingdom is inside out. It's upside down. It's kind of inverted. Then last week I spoke about, they touched on the laws of the kingdom. And I spent a whole series last in, in the year. We talked about nourish and flourish. And the laws of the kingdom, they, there are many of them. But we spoke particularly about the law of the seed. And, and there's seed, time, and harvest, and how seed bears after its own kind, and there is time involved, and, and the, you, there's ways that you can choke the seed, and how you can get it to benefit in your seed. There, there is so many of the harvesting principles where Jesus had said, this is what the kingdom is like. It's like this and this and this. Uh, it's going to take time. And now, we can hear all these parables about seed, time, and harvest, and we can say, oh, that's a nice story. Or you can actually make it work for you. Do you want to harvest in your life of anything? You can apply that rule and benefit from it. Or you can just sit in the sidelines and say, oh, it's nice to know, and never benefit from it. And I'm not talking about giving financially. It is one of the things, but it's, it's, it's actually really not about, like even for 2 Corinthians where it talks in, in chapter 8 and 9, where it speaks very specifically about money. That really isn't about money as much as it is generosity. It's encouraged you to lay hold of the grace of generosity because with that, and it's based talkingly about having a big scoop of generosity is going to come back. It's going to be measured back to you in the same way. And, and Luke 6 talks about given it shall be given, good measure pressed down, running together, shaken over. That's got nothing to do with money. That, if you go and study that whole passage of scripture, and I wish we had time to go through that whole chapter, but that whole chapter, God is talking about loving sinners. Yes sinners it says that god loves sinners he is good to the great the wicked and the unthankful what that god is not confused people it's religion that gets us confused god has never had it in for wicked people right there i can show you the scripture i know it's rarely preached but god is kind to the wicked and the unthankful and that whole chapter is talking about how we should be forgivers and how we shouldn't judge and how we shouldn't condemn. Because if we condemn or we judge or we become, he says we're going to get, this, we're going to get good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over is going to be come back to us. So if you want those attributes, if you want not to be judged, if you don't want to, then, then don't. Then, then sow forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. You have a right to not forgive. You do not have a right to f not forgive anybody. You don't have the right to stand in unforgiveness. You don't. Not if you claim to lay hold of Jesus' forgiveness and the whole, hence the parable of the servant that was forgiven this massive billion dollar debt and he threw a guy into jail for 25 bucks. Remember the whole parable? I'm just shortening it a little bit, but... You know, but basically, if you've been forgiven a billion dollar debt, who are you to hold 25 buck debt against somebody? You have obviously have got no understanding of how much you've been forgiven if you've been set out of prison for the billion dollars that you and I owe, right? So, okay, so kingdom, kingdom stuff. And so really to today, I just wanted to touch on, because in light of being a, a new year, um, you've seen... Our, our, our vision board over there, sometimes it becomes invisible. We don't, we don't often speak about it, and maybe I should speak more about it. But, but our overarching vision, before I get there, is this. Lake Haven has an overarching vision statement that says, says that we exist, that all people 
everywhere would intimately know God and experience, experience his unconditional love. That's our overarching vision statement. All people would know God and experience his unconditional love. And in, in John 17 verse 3 where we get that from, God defines love as this. He, sorry, eternal life is this. He says, this is eternal life, colon. Now, if I was listening to Jesus, I would be perking my ears up right now, really super tight. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. In fact, if you go and study J uh, the book of 1 John chapter 4, it says that he who loves knows God. He who does not love does not know God. That puts a whole different spin on spiritual maturity. A person, the most mature people, remember Miss Roma? We spoke about her. That lady could love bad. She was a lover of everybody. She would have story after story each week. She'd come to Overflow and tell us about how many people she just loved in Walmart and what she would do in trailer parks and she just loved, she was just such an example. And I know many of you are like that, but the, that is the mark of maturity. Because the whole, in fact, so much of the book of First John talks about this. It says, in fact, if you, if you say you're a believer and you don't love, mm, jury's out. Because if you, you don't know him who loves you, I'm not trying, this is not a condemnation thing. I'm just saying, um, um, yes, if you've received Jesus by faith, you are saved and born again. I'm talking about a mature believer. If you know him who loves you, you become a lover. So our overarching statement is, this is that we, that all people everywhere would intimately know God and experience his unconditional love. Why? Because if you experience his unconditional love, you will be a lover of others. Amen. That's just, that's the bottom line experience his love and you'll love others and so we've got the three the three things reaching establishing and connecting and that board back there and and there we we had a series a while back and we said we you know come to lake heaven you can get wrecked here you know rec not w-r-e-c-k-e you know no get wrecked rec we reaching people with god's unconditional love is number one we reach people with the knowledge of god's absolutely unconditional love for them we establish believers in Christ, secondly. And thirdly, we connect them to his cause. His cause, to kingdom cause. So, I, I, and, and why when we were considering that vision statement, we picked the word cause because the word vision and the word mission, besides being tired, they are very limited. A business can have a vision statement, can have a mission statement, um, but a cause is way more powerful than a vision or a mission. Because you see, a cause is something that stirs the very depths of your heart. A cause is literally something somebody is willing to die for. That's how you know. You have some things in your heart that you are literally willing to die for. You would lay down your life for. And when we, when we as believers, and you see this in the New Testament, we aren't church goers, we're not church attenders, we walk into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus who has totally won our hearts over with this love, with this message of his grace and favor, that he's taken our sins and paid the penalty for us. For us. And, and so, so our life gets all on fire, aflame with this passion of, of God's love for us. 
And really, that is the journey, as Corin mentioned. We, we, we become passionate flames of experiencing God's love, and, and then we can't help but set other people on fire. Do you know how much God loves you? Because you're experiencing so much of God's love. That's it. Really, if you had to boil down the Christian life into that, it would be as simplified as that, is living in his incredible love. Because Jesus even said it, if you <laughs> love fulfills the law. That's what he means. If you truly love, that's the, the, the law written on our hearts. That's how we can walk in his love. Amen. So kingdom cause, that is the purpose. Um, in in uh, Philippians chapter 3, this famous passage of scripture, um, Paul is writing obviously to the Philippians and he, I'm just trying to decide if I want to read this passage, because this whole passage, because it's a big one. Um, he's talking about He's talking about the righteousness of God, and he had been the super religious zealot, right? Saul previously becomes Paul. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. He had killed. He had been a murderer. He had taken Christians in the early church, and he had put them to death. And so him, with his massive, with his massive learning, he makes this statement in this chapter, and it's profound. It's got a lot in it, but I just wanted to look at, pull out some of it. Um, in, in verse 7, it says, um, of Philippians 3, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Ooh. Um, uh, forgive me. <laughs> he says, I counted everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's that word, of knowing him. For this sake, because he had just in previous verses said, look, I'm a Benjamin, I've got this tribe, I've got all these accolades. Basically, he was saying, my religious wall of certificates is big and long. I've been there, I've got it all. I've got all the certificates, I've got all the degrees. He says, and I'm throwing it out. I'm tossing it aside, he says. He says, for the sake I've lost, I've considered, I, I, for I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Now, I'm going to jump tracks over here and read this out of the message because there is so much in this and I like the, I like the English in the message Bible just puts it in colloquialisms. So he says um, in, in, out of the message, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special I'm, to I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all these things I once thought were so important are gone from my life, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. That's literally the word. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. When I can get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, 
be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. And then he goes into this, uh, the second passage. I'm going to skip back onto the ESV. So he, he, he is... The, the righteousness of God, and we, we do this in, in D group, if any of you are going to be doing D group coming up, but understanding faith righteousness, and, or I say even grasping a bit of faith righteousness, is absolutely liberating. Paul went on to say that it's the very power of the gospel. It is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is in understanding this righteousness is by faith in Christ. And, and so if you, if you don't have a hold in it, I recommend you read the book, The Gospel of Peace by Dr. James Richards. I recommend you come to D Group and discuss it with a bunch of believers because by laying hold of this for yourself, knowing that this is good news, it's, it, it can really turn your life around. So Paul is, that's basically what Paul is saying. I'm throwing out all my credentials, trying to be all this. He says, I used to be a big law keeper. I've done it all. I've been a hypocrite. I've tried it, doing it the, the legal way. And now I'm trusting Jesus for my righteousness. You got it, right? Okay, so then he says this in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this and already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've, I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behead, uh, sorry, behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Um, there, there, um, that passage is so full, and I mentioned it the other night at, uh, at our New Year's Eve service, but that passage in verse 13, it says, brothers, I, uh, he, says, he, he says, I'm just going to skip forward here, one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I reach out or I reach, I, I strain forward to what lies ahead. There is so many secrets in those words. Forgetting what is behind. The word forget me is, forgive me, I'm trying to pronounce this Greek word, epilanthanomai, to forget. It's basically something that is done with, accomplished, and it's no longer an issue before you. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The word forget here, something that is done with, accomplished, and no longer an issue before you. Okay, so he says, forgetting what is behind. Now remember, this is the one thing he's doing. Forget what is behind. It's no longer an issue before you. It's accomplished, it's done. Then the word behind is the word opiso, which literally means something that no longer has relevance in life. It's old, antiquated, antiquated, sorry, outdated and no longer applicable. It's behind you. And then it's this word reach forth to those things that are before you. It's the word epictanomai, which, which is really, it's, that, it's the image of a runner that's pushing himself, straining like that last round in the race. He's like, he's giving it all he's got. So that's the image here that he's saying, this is the one thing I'm doing, guys. He says, I'm putting that stuff behind me. He says, forgetting that stuff that is behind me, I'm straining to what lies ahead. So that's a focus goal. Do you think that a runner in that last lap or that last hundred meters or whatever do you think he's oh no it's not like i'm on a casual i don't know 
kind of thing. No, it's, it's, he is focused. He is giving it every bit of his focused strength. I'm going to win that race. I'm going to stretch. You've seen them guys. You know, they practice getting through their chest, right through their... It's, it's straining towards getting ahead. That's the image. So he says, forgetting what is behind, I reach out to what lies ahead. And he's, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, is saying, listen, guys, I haven't got it, but this is what I'm going to do. This is the one thing I do. The secrets of life are, we're right here at the start of a year. Forget what's behind. Let it go today. Make a decision right now that you are going to leave behind what's behind you. There is no one, we're not driving this year from the rear view mirror. Okay? We are going to let it behind us. So then, then of course, the, the image as well, in Hebrews chapter 12, and I do think Paul was the author of Hebrews, but there's a lot of controversy about that. In these, but, but I mean, it's sure like, same as like Paul to me. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lie, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of, um, uh, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, 11, remember, just for a second, remember, there were no chapters, right? That only came in about 12, 1300, somewhere around there, 1400, they put chapter markers in the scripture. So what we know is Hebrews chapter 11 is the, the grand chapter of faith heroes it's talking about what Moses did and what what all these guys what Samson did and all the heroes of faith this is how they got victory and this is how even though they died they did this and they were they were talking about all the great men of God and then he carries on to say therefore what is therefore there you know it says like if you see a therefore you've got to ask yourself what it's there for you know because every time so he says therefore he says in starts verse one, we are sur- because we're surrounded by so cl- great a cloud of witnesses. That's amazing to me. That means that our lives are on display in heaven. You and I are running a race, and you literally—I mean, you've got to—you've got to use your mind's eye here. Imagine a stadium, because that is the imagery. It's an—it's a race. You are literally having David and Bathsheba probably sitting there, Solomon, Moses, all of them are watching you right now. And not only they, they're cheering you on. Go, you can do it. You can do it. Can you hear? <laughs> but you, it says, therefore, you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So he's saying, because... Guys, we're in a race. We've got witnesses watching us. And so he says these powerful words, right? He says, let's throw, let us lay aside every weight. And I went and studied that word weight. That is like an, a, an, an, a hindrance, a protu- something that protrudes. It's, it's basically like, like a ball and chain. And that's not talking about sin. Then he says, and the sin. So there's two things here. He says, let's lay aside every hindrance. And the sin that so easily entangles. So I want you to see this. There's, 
Sin, one, it shows you that sin can trip us up. And if you study the book of, of Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about discipline and how God loves us so much. He's going to discipline us. And by the way, that's not talking about breaking anybody's legs. That's talking about words and everything. But we, he's talking about God disciplining his son and, and how, be careful, you can fail. If you don't watch out, Esau lost his whole inheritance because he was stupid. That's what it's saying. Don't be like Esau. Esau was stupid. Take a lesson from Esau. Esau lost it. He missed it. This is a lesson for us. So guess what? We can choose. Oh, do we want to be like Esau? Hey, listen, guys, I'm hungry. Man, I'm really, really hungry. Yes, I'll give you my inheritance for a bowl of soup. That's stupid. You can trade out and miss out on your inheritance if you want to be like Esau. So that's... That's another point, but the point here I'm going to say is this. The image in Hebrews chapter 12 is this, that same word, kind of reaching, stretching out. You're running your race. You're focused. You've got a crowd of faith heroes around you cheering you on. He says, so let's lay aside every weight. You know what? What is a weight to me might not be a weight to you. And vice versa. What's a weight to you might be, not be a weight to me. The hindrances, TV can be an issue to me. Facebook can be an issue. Facebook is an issue to me. You know, you know what I mean? There, there are issues that are hindrances in my life that I can choose to say, you know what, this is not helping my race. This is, this is I don't know if you want to run around a track with a 50-pound lead weight around your leg, but that doesn't sound like fun. Not only it's going to hurt, you aren't going to be running. In the army, we had to, <laughs> see, I'm Marine here. But when I was in the army, they also made sure you made sure you were carrying logs, you were carrying cement bags, you were carrying old blocks. It doesn't matter. Ammo cases was one of their favorite things. You'd carry, you know how heavy an ammo case is. They would make you run with. Let me tell you, when you've got that kind of weight, you don't run. But there's a great image of of you can't run when you, you, you know, if you want to be unfettered, unhindered, so that you can stretch forth and run your race. You've got to let these things go. And then I'm saying, remember, a hindrance is not a sin. It says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles. And at the picture of, of sin here is like, listen, guys, sin can trip you up it's like a spider's web sin is the thing that can put you down on the mat it's because for a while it's like those what are those south american things with the three balls that they throw i don't even know what they're called bolo polo bolo bolos but i mean they can throw that you know that can it can entangle you can snare you can put you down on the ground you ain't running at all and sin is like that Sin can trip you up. Sin can really, can torpedo you. Does, listen, I'm going to say this very carefully. God doesn't love you any less. We all fall down at times. We all fall down. Because the word of God tells us, even though the righteous man falls, he gets up. Seven times. Though where does that scripture say, because you're righteous, you will never fall. Righteous man gets up again. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall. It's not fun. It hurts you. 
Sometimes it hurts people around you more than it hurts you. Sin can kill. It can kill other people. I mean, literally kill, physically kill. And also it can bring death to relationships. It can be death. Sin is like poison. It's never fun. And that's why God called it sin. He labeled things sin because they were going to screw up your life royally. So, so understand this. When you play with sin, watch out. Because it will entangle you and it will ensnare you. And you and I can both testify that some stuff can hold you captive for a long time. Can grab hold of you. Nowadays, we've got drug addictions out the, the yin-yang happening. I mean, what's this new drug? Not the new drug, but uh, the one that's like the heroin thing. Fentanyl. I mean, and all the deaths of things. You, you know that people that get onto drugs, sweet people that, are f- that le- get into drugs. I mean, how many lives do we know that have been tripped up? You know, s- good people. I, I mean, you can go to jail. You can ask our, our law enforcement officers and stuff like that. You can go to jails. There's, jails are full of good people. There's a bunch of pastors in jail. I'm just serious. I mean, you meet people. I've done a bunch of, there's a lot of good people in jail that screwed up. Their race is different now because it's different because they screwed up. They're, so I'm just trying to say that there's some, there's some profound truths here in, in Hebrews chapter, of chapter 12. So we've got to take these warnings to heart. God, I'm going to say it again. God doesn't love you or me, anybody, any less. If you're in jail or if you end up there or whatever the case is, God does not love you one iota less. But can it trip you up in your life? Yes. Can it stop you running your race? Yes. It can. It will. It's profound. It's our choice whether we want to or not. So, so again, that imagery is, guys, we're surrounded by a bunch of witnesses. Let's dump the stuff that weighs us down. Let's free ourselves. Watch out for that sin. It so easily comes up and entangles us. So that's the imagery, right? That's, that's because our Father disciplines us and he, and he loves us. So, you know, w- this, this, this cause that we call to is such a great cause. When we get to know the love of God, and I, I'll, I'll just wrap it up here, but you know we speak a lot about the love of God, about how essential it is to be rooted and grounded in His love. And, and, and you know, when, when that is the cause we want to take to Eustace and Tavares and Mount Dora and to the central Florida region and beyond, you, you know, that is a, a phenomenal cause because our encouragement is we want you, each one of you, to experience more of the love of God for you so that you in turn can reach your world. Remember, this is where we believe is gather. That's what the church is. The church is a place where we come get equipped to go and do that. This is, that's, that's what we do here. We come here, build one another up, encourage one another. <laughs> when our friends fall down, pick them up. When your friend gets trapped in a sin, pick him up. Get involved in a life group. Hey, dude, you know, some of your friends you get to know real well. Like it's, you can tell them really frankly, hey, dude, you're screwing up. What you doing? I mean, come on. You know, some other friends you need a little bit more coaxing. Hey, it's okay. You're okay. You know what I mean? It's just like a family, you, you know, and this is, is a family. <laughs> we are a family. But that's why the body of Christ is so essential. And honestly, that's why I believe there's been such a demonic attack on the church. Oh, it's okay. 
I'll just do church from a distance. You can't, you, you can hear a message from a distance, but you can't be part of a church from a distance. You can't. You can't pick somebody up. You can't encourage one another. You can't risk relationship. Because risk, relationships, as you've heard me say, relationships are risky, people. If you're going to say, well, I don't want to be offended. Sheesh. Sorry, good luck with that. Every, you're gonna, I'm going to offend you. People are going to offend you. Your, look, for Pete's sake, your family offends you. So what does it matter? You know, Everybody offends you somehow. This is what you can do. Get over being offendable. Because you've only got power over you. If you get over being offendable, then it can be water if a duck's back. You can say, oh, well, they're just a baby. It's okay. Unless, oh, he doesn't love me anymore. I'm never going back to that church. He said they didn't have the air conditioning on too high or whatever. I don't know, whatever people get upset about. But we can, it's crazy how we can get offended about little things or because somebody said something, right? But we've got this cause, people. We've got a cause that I don't know about you, but dare I say, I think I'm willing to lay my life down for it. I really don't. I really will. I will lay my life down for it. I will lay my life down. I believe so much in the love of God. I don't care about the other stuff anymore. Join me on this journey if you like. If you die, big deal. Or I die, big deal. We'll be in the grandstands. I would rather go out to the blaze of glory doing God's work in the kingdom than, than trying to, to be the guy that dies with the most toys. You know, you know, we've got a cause. We've got a cause. And that God is, I mean, this, this imagery that Paul says, for, listen, I'm not, I'm not even there yet, guys. Remember, he goes back, he says, forgetting those things that are behind. I'm pressing on to reaching. I'm reaching forward for that prize. There, if we can get so focused and uh, uh, we can build one another up and help what we need. This is a body. You see the imagery? The body, how necessary it is? We need one another, man. We need one another. There's a cause. You are loved. Yes, you are loved. Are you forgiven? Yes, you are forgiven. Doesn't matter how many times you screw up. Get up. We've got you. We're not going to judge you or condemn you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many times you've murdered somebody. We had to tell our kids that. We had to say, listen, guys, we love you, but if you do wrong, we're the ones driving you to jail. <laughs> we're the one, you know, no, we've got great kids. Just stay. But yeah, we're, what an awesome thing we've been called to. A kingdom cause. Is there something in your life that you're willing to sell out for? Because that's what we're called to. This kingdom does have a king. It's not a democracy. It doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't count for anything. My, my opinion doesn't count for anything. It's a kingdom. You can tell Jesus, but I don't like that. I vote that we, Jesus will just snigger to himself. You know, you know it's, like, it's like, listen, dude, it, the world doesn't change because of your opinion. It's us that align ourselves with his opinion. His glory is his view and opinion, which is reality. We're the ones that are on the journey of aligning ourselves with his way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. We are the ones that are aligning with his opinion. Yes, we screw up on the, on the journey, but that's the only way it works is his way. 
Amen. So that's what we need. So don't judge your brother or me when I screw up or whatever the case is. I'm not perfect. I am. But remember, his kingdom, this kingdom is very, very important. It works from the inside out. So this, this is a concept that we've got to stay in, this kingdom philosophy of life. And, and we'll talk about it probably. I've, I've got to do at least, at least another one next week because there's just pieces that, we, that I feel that we, that we have to still touch on. Let's close our eyes. Father, we're so grateful that we get to be your children in the kingdom, this kingdom. And Lord, we do call you Lord Jesus. We acknowledge you because you are Lord and Savior of our hearts. You have saved us and set us free and delivered us. And so we're so great, we're grateful that we don't have to worry, wonder about what we're called to. We know exactly what purpose we're called to, to be a part of the kingdom. And we don't want to abuse the purpose that we were designed for. But so, Father, I pray that even though each one of us have got a specific calling, a specific gift, we also have a general calling into these things as the body of Christ. And, Father, I do pray that for each person here who wants to know, who is wanting to know what their specific calling is, that they will find it in this journey. That there are those around us that can help us to find their specific that, that they call them, that they call to that you're called to. If you are not born again, or if you've never declared Jesus King, Lord of your life, if you, you won't even be able to see this kingdom because it's an invisible kingdom. It's perceived. If that's you, then just with your heart, just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need that righteousness that Paul spoke about. I need you, Jesus. I had to give my life to you, Jesus, and Jesus will meet you right there. If you're willing to take this journey and you say, Lord, give me a kingdom vision, give me a kingdom philosophy, help me see this, are you willing to remain teachable? Because you do always need to be teachable. You and I, when we stop being teachable, we shut our ears and our eyes off the kingdom. We've got to keep them on him. Just say, Lord, I open my heart to be teachable, to remain teachable, to hear you, to be guided and led by you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. This is a journey, folks. This morning, if you, if you, have, if you have a prayer need, please, Stephen Elise, and, and here we have Dick and Mary, awesome prayer ministers here come and talk to one of them, especially if you've given your heart to them or you made that commitment. We've got some great books and material we'd love to give you to help you on a journey. But don't take a book and think that's it. Be part of us. Jump in. Let's help one another on this journey. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so very much. Thank you for being with us this year, for being part of a kingdom vision, being part of Lake Havens, God's specific calling for us in our region. And um, Join with us. We'll see you. Um, we are having overflow this week, and there are some things coming up, so stay tuned. Love you guys. Have a great week.